0: The Medical Alley podcast is brought to you by MentorMate. For over 20 years, the healthcare industry's largest companies have trusted MentorMate to guide their vision while designing and developing innovative digital products. Whether you're powering a medical device, overhauling your backend architecture, or reimagining your patient experience, MentorMate can help. Their global team takes a personalized and in-depth approach to deliver secure solutions in all sectors of healthcare. With deep expertise in design, development, cloud, and software support, MentorMate helps healthcare clients administer state of the art care through technology. Trusted guidance, global expertise, secure integration. MentorMate delivers digital transformation at scale. Learn more at mentormate.com. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everyone out there in Medical Alley. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Medical Alley podcast. Uh, Today we've got a really fun discussion with one of the great success stories of the Medical Alley community and its CEO Dan Reavers. Uh, I'm so pleased to be joined by Dan who's with Tactile Medical and Dan maybe you could start, um, give the audience a little bit of background on you and your history and then tell us what is Tactile Medical up to?
1: Yeah so um, I'm a Minnesota native, I've been in the med tech business for about 35 years and uh, I started in sales, so I learned the importance of the whole frontline customer-facing uh, criteria. I spent about 12 years uh, just before joining Tactile with Integra Life Science, a Princeton, New Jersey-based company where I was uh, leading a, uh, about a billion-dollar global neurosurgical business and uh, have lived around the country but was delighted to come back to Minnesota where my, uh, to, uh, to lead Tactile. To your point, Tactile Medical's had a great story, and we've served as kind of chief advocate for the lymphedema community for over 25 years now, and there's still so much journey ahead. Um, We also did our biggest acquisition uh, last year in the fall of 2021. We acquired a product line called Vest, which is an airway clearance therapy vest, and uh, as a result of our ongoing growth, we treated Uh, About 65,000 patients last year and crossed the $200 million mark in 2021, a a little over 208 million. And we employ now over 1,000 people and are publicly traded on the NASDAQ under TCMD.
0: Thank you. And that I didn't know the thousand person part. That's a pretty big milestone to cross that line. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, maybe for the audience who isn't as familiar with lymphedema and kind of the, the core product that Tactile has, can you just tell them a little bit about the condition and what Tactile has developed to provide that
1: treatment? Sure. You know, what we describe ourselves as from a mission standpoint is that we reveal and treat mm-hmm. underserved chronic conditions. And that says just as much, um, Frank, I think about what we won't do as what we will do. So when we talk about underserved, there's chronic conditions like obstructive sleep apnea and diabetes that are um, certainly require uh, compelling solutions for patients. But I would argue they're not underserved. There's some really great companies that are leaning into that and providing great innovations. Lymphedema is a bit different. Uh, We've chosen two underserved and what I would call misunderstood segments to put our energies, and that's lymphedema, and now airway clearance, and specifically bronchiectasis. Um, and to your point, most people just don't appreciate it. Most healthcare practitioners spend less than an hour on the lymphatic system when they go through medical school. But um, to put it simply, the lymphatic system is a circulatory system that collects and rids the body of toxins. So it's kind of like the, uh, the plumbing system or the sewer system uh, within the body. When lymphedema occurs, it's the swelling, the chronic swelling due to the body's inability to drain that lymph fluid. There there is primary lymphedema, which is you're kind of born with it, but most of it is secondary. It's secondary to cancer because you've either had lymph nodes removed or disrupted because of radiation. Um, So it disrupts the flow or uh, related to chronic venous insufficiency, which is an even bigger segment where the lymph fluid accumulation is just simply unable to drain. And it leads to heaviness and pain and skin changes and wounds and even cellulitis. But still to this day, so many doctors misdiagnose it. Um, They either think the patient is simply obese or they have edema or um, they'll prescribe Lasix, for example. And one of the most interesting uh, data points that we learned when we acquired a big data set from IBM on this patient base was that the average lymphedema patient from the time they had their first diagnosis until they, from the time they got their first symptom declared to the time they got diagnosed is three years. That doesn't mean they even got treatment. That just means it took them that long to find out what they had. Um, so that's a it, it's it's a community that needs an advocate. And we've so pridefully uh, um, really focused our energies um, on that mission. Indeed, and I take your point then on the
0: reveal part of your mission. Um, so important to help raise awareness of these populations, of these individuals that are being impacted and to bring them treatments. The other part that I found very interesting in, in the work that Tactile Medical does that it has done for many years is the products are often a home use product, which is kind of becoming a trendy thing in healthcare now, but you guys have been plowing that field for many years. Why is it important to provide treatment at home for these conditions? And then what does that meant for tactile strategy to have that home uh, capability or home focus?
1: Yeah, I think as we continue um, first to educate both the healthcare practitioners as well as patients, um, one of the things that's quite clear is these segments that we focused on are chronic in nature. So these are things that are going to require regular treatment, for the rest of the patient's lives. And it's simply impractical and also inconvenient to expect a patient to have to go get therapy somewhere that isn't in their home regularly. Um, It's just difficult for them from a uh, transportation standpoint, from a lifestyle standpoint. So we believe that uh, chronic conditions are best treated at home. We think it allows the patient to live their best life and have more control over their condition. And you know, I think one of the things that's been so engaging for our colleagues is when we help patients with this, we get a front row seat to see the impact that we make. We are regularly in their home or engaging with patients and there's nothing more gratifying than to be able to bring them some relief that they can actually take some control over. And from an economic standpoint, I think we all have recognized that it's more efficient and more economically suitable to take care of these chronic conditions at home so long as we have the right kind of solutions available for those patients. Indeed and
0: and I feel good in saying that it seems like more broadly the healthcare air quote system or systems is catching up to that notion that you guys have worked a very long time to build the evidence to build the reimbursement and to to set that market up. So in building out um, a home healthcare platform, driving reimbursement, you guys have had to develop new markets and new channels. What does that mean for the company, developing these new markets and kind of creating your own opportunities?
1: Yeah, I think it's a really good question. And the short answer is, I think it's uh, given us an advantage. You know, as you address unmet needs, first of all, it's not for the faint of heart. There's a lot of pioneering work that has to occur Sometimes uh, it takes quite a while to develop the impact. That said, it's incredibly fulfilling to know that we are the ones out there advocating for a group of patients that without us in most instances would not get the care or the recognition that they deserve. So we've been the main sponsor of clinical evidence and that has led to our solutions being the best clinically proven. We've been the main sponsor of education And that's led to our people being, I think, among the most trusted clinical partners in the commercial space. We've been really committed to a large dedicated channel so we can engage and support patients directly with both sales and development people as well as service. Um, We've developed a back office that understands the nuance of the different payer criteria, which becomes an important part of the process helping HCPs get the the care that the patient needs. So um, I think all of those ultimately have led to um, us having some of the best data. I think as we continue to further digitize our roadmap, that would only get better. And with over 275 million lives under coverage right now, um, we do think that um, our spade work that we've put in thus far um, has positioned us well.
0: You mentioned at the beginning the, the Aflo Vest acquisition. Can you expand a little bit on that and what that means for the company's strategy in, in adding this new condition, but that is chronic and underserved into the mix?
1: Sure. Well, the AfloVest, as I said, we acquired it uh, back in September of last year. And the AfloVest is the first truly portable vest therapy option to treat air clearance needs. Um, these are typically patients that have chronic retained secretions. They don't have a robust cough, and it becomes this vicious cycle. They get uh, pulmonary infections. It reduces their ability to clear their airways, and and it just continues to circle. It's interesting to share, just because we've got a Minnesota audience here, that Minnesota is really the epicenter in developing best therapy products. Um, Advanced Respiratory was the first company in this space, and probably a lot of our listeners are familiar with that company. It's now part of Hillrom. Um, I was actually at Advanced Respiratory and developed that device market for the cystic fibrosis patient audience. Initially, it was done in conjunction with the University of Minnesota and uh, Dr. Warren Warwick, who was a a, a key uh, part of that journey. And then we eventually sold it to Hillrom. And then the second biggest player out there in this space is another Minnesota uh, story, Respiratech. They were uh, originally a a private company, uh, now have become part of Philips. Uh, and I participated on their board for ten years, and this whole non, uh, this whole vest therapy has become one that's um, become very passionate to me. I've seen the impact that we made um, on the cystic fibrosis community, and now rather than just the thirty thousand cystic fibrosis patients that can benefit, and most of which have, there's over half a million patients with bronchiectasis, and these are adult patients with chronic lung conditions that need this kind of therapy. So this was the first truly portable version that's not connected to a compressor with hoses. It gives patients mobility. And we found that um, truly differentiating. And And then I think, interestingly, um, the other thing that we saw was an opportunity to think about the channel differently. So we have a direct channel for our lymphedema business, but for our AfloVest business, we've opted to use the respiratory DMEs. And the reason for that is the competitive landscape has, for the most part, focused on a direct channel. There's a few hundred salespeople put together in all the companies that participate in the space. But there's over 4,000 respiratory DMEs, reps in the United States. And respiratory is the operative word because these patients, they need... Oxygen, they need nebulizers where they're taking their medications, they need non invasive ventilation. And the respiratory DME is the source for all of the other things that these complex respiratory patients need. But these 4,000 respiratory DME reps did not have a vest option available to these patients. So we believe that tapping into this channel, this ecosystem that the HCPs and patients are. Always dependent on for all of their other therapies that by embedding this in, um, we thought we could uh, see a benefit in adoption and exposure. And I think that um, that's still the journey that we expect to be on.
0: Indeed, indeed. And I, I will say this has been one of my learnings over the years how important that channel strategy is. That yes, you need the underserved population, you need the technologies to treat them. But if you can't get the technology to the people who need it, it's really kind of moot. And so, yes, so what you're saying is you've uncovered, you're investing in a a channel that will give probably a wider reach for these technologies and ultimately better care for the patients. I have to think then as you're looking at internal R and D, other acquisitions, that that's on your mind as well of, well, what other things are out there or what other spaces? or what other areas might these patients have need that now that Tactile's developed this, you might be able to better serve?
1: Yeah, innovation is always an important one, especially when you're in the medical business. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a a space that evolves and moves um, rather swiftly, as we know. So we really think it's the lifeblood of a good growing company, especially of one that's a market leader. So we have actually, uh, we'll be doubling our R&D spend in 2022 compared to just two years ago um, and really making a strong commitment to make sure that we've got a robust pipeline of fresh solutions um, and um, things that we can introduce uh, both to our patients as well as our HCPs. Um, That I I think at a high level, um, Frank, it's really about more intuitive and easier to use. The more we can embed these into a patient's lifestyle, the easier it can be to use, the more likely patients will be compliant and get the benefits of the therapies that we can produce. So we have a a series of initiatives underway to simply make the products more intuitive, easier to to apply, um, and and frankly, just easier to use. We've also got a a digital component to our strategy, and we'll be introducing a digital um, app uh, for our patients later on this year We've got a, a whole sort of digital roadmap that we expect to unfold over the course of the next couple of years that continues to enhance the attributes, but ultimately gives us an opportunity to engage more directly with the patients, educate them even before they get their prescription, and help them come in and see their, uh, their physician better qualified because they'll have understood what things they should try on their own before they uh, find themselves in the waiting room of a specialist. And the better qualified the patient, the more available our therapies can be, knowing that they've tried some of the basics first and that they've led themselves um, to having to depend on the kinds of therapies that we introduce to patients. And then, you know, I think the other one is just, as we think about r and um, I think a little bit about the internal versus external. And while we're bolstering internal talent, uh, you know one of the beauties about minnesota and, and and us at large is it's a pretty rich ecosystem And a lot of um, companies, some small and emerging that are really good at what i would call narrow technologies that might um, might fit into our roadmap so um, we uh, we continue to explore partnerships mm-hmm. we can get to some of the solution points faster by working with others as well as just working with ourselves yeah, well said.
0: And I I have to echo, you know, what you said on the having that digital roadmap and being more patient-centric, which Tactile has been for so long, I think that's potentially the biggest opportunity in the broader Medical Alley ecosystem, right? We have this community with a a world-leading medical device cluster, large health systems, academic medical centers, a little company called United Health Group with a $100 billion digital health division. All the different pieces are there, and I'm hearing from more and more executives this this combination where it's no longer med tech is one thing and healthcare is something else, but rather it's this continuum of care that ultimately is about helping the patient live a better life. And I think you just articulated why that's important for the patients, but also why that's important for the industry. It's where we have to get going something i'd be curious about you you mentioned earlier thousand employees growing making investments it's been quite an environment to recruit and retain people in right the industry is growing there are a lot more options with hybrid and work from home what's it been like for tactile and what are you guys doing to make sure you can get the best people and you can keep them engaged
1: yeah i think it's a great question one that um probably all of us are grappling with more since the pandemic um, occurred. You know, I think COVID has certainly accelerated a more transient workforce. Certainly we've read that um, in a number of places and we we've seen some of those same headwinds ourselves. So retention has continued to become a really important part of how we try and build a world-class organization. You know, the whole remote concept is desirable for a lot of folks. They've expressed that they really prefer the opportunity to work remotely. And I think it's allowed us in in a number of instances to kind of take the best athlete approach, as opposed to they have to be within 20 miles of the office, Um, wherever we find the best talent, we've had a tendency to kind of open up those uh, parameters a bit more. But at the same time, it makes engagement harder when people are scattered around and they're not all huddled together. So, um, you know, we added several hundred people since the pandemic occurred, and while that's encouraging onboarding and training has often had to occur remotely. And, you know, the whole engagement that you enjoy when you spend a whole week with a new class um, is just a bit different. So in 2020, a couple of things I think we've done to try and and, and foster as much engagement as we could. I think we were probably one of the most aggressive in 2020 with our sales force. We had a 100% backstop for the sales force um, on their uh, at-risk payment. So that was one that we thought, uh, you know, certainly we wanted to make sure as a growth company that we could preserve as much of the nucleus as possible. So when we come out of the pandemic conditions, that we've still got uh, a, a quality group in place. We paid discretionary bonuses to a lot of the people in the office in the same pursuit to make sure we kind of keep the band t- together as best we can. And we've improved our healthcare care and our 401ks and our PTO models. Um, Because we know we compete for talent in this community. But I think beyond uh, comp and benefits, what we're hearing, people really want great communication. And and when we're all scattered about, communication becomes even more important because they don't hear it in the hallway. Um, So communication has been a big focus. Recognition has been a big focus, as well as training and development. And I think beyond comp and benefits, communication, recognition, and people development will continue to be the things we'll invest in because I think um, that's what so many people want. And it helps, uh, I think, create a, uh, a very well-functioning organization.
0: Indeed, and I've, I've heard similar things from other leaders on how important it is that we make sure our teams are heard and are seen and recognized, especially in the last couple of years. And it's clear it's paying off, it's working out. Maybe the last question I'll ask you as we come in to wrap up, just before the pandemic, you guys had put together a a new office space or were starting to put together one. You'd been in what I always thought was just an awesome space, although certainly a little cramped in Northeast Minneapolis, right next to my favorite brewery, Bauhaus. Uh, But as the company grew, needed more space. I've been asking CEOs this all year, what does a workplace or an office mean today and you know, we make these investments in commercial real estate we now have employees that are hybrid that are remote what's the role of the office today how do you how do you make that investment more worthwhile given the environment we're now in
1: yeah i think it's a really good question and i'm and i think the uh the answer suggests the jury is probably still out. <laughs> But, um, you know, we, to your point, we moved in uh, September of 19 into a new space and it's a beautifully appointed office. Uh, And it was done with the intention to create a space or an environment where we'd be proud to try and recruit people and they'd be proud to come. It was also much bigger because we knew that we were expecting to continue to expand our workforce. Um, As it stands today, there's a lot of elbow room there, Frank. And uh, we've got an awful lot of vacant seats on a, on any given day. Um, we've had colleagues voice their support for work from home. And I think trying to find that balance is one that we're still navigating. Um, what I really believe is right now, we will, um, we, we've not done any kind of, hey, there's a back to work initiative and everyone's going to be there Tuesday through Thursday. Uh, what we've tried to do is uh, more an event-driven approach. So if a meeting that really benefits from collaboration, if it's a project review, if it's a town hall, um, those uh, events where clearly they benefit from having people in the same room, um, we're trying to bring people together for those. But we've kind of adopted a stance of work, you know, wherever you do your best work. And if it's heads down work, Um, there's certainly no reason that people can't do that remotely. I'm still optimistic that the pendulum will land somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. I think that, um, you know, the future is probably going to prove that creativity and curiosity and relationships still flourish in person. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that uh, I still think that they're hard to develop remotely or virtually. That said, uh, I do think that balance will rule the day. And I think that, uh, you know, some component of work where you do your best work and come together when it's warranted um, is probably what our future looks like.
0: Right on. And I'm with you. The, The balance part is key, but humans are social animals getting together. There's an energy and a creativity that comes out of it. And I'd say. Kudos to you and your team for taking that approach and being thoughtful of how we figure this thing out, because, right, no one has the answer yet today, uh, but we'll get it figured out. So, Dan, I want to say thank you for taking a little bit of time out of your day today. Really appreciate the perspective on what Tactile Medical has been up to and where you're going. And I want to say thank you for being a part of this community and helping to make healthcare better all over. I hope you have a great day. Thanks a lot, Frank. Mm-hmm. And folks, that's another episode of the Medical Alley Podcast. If you're not already a subscriber, make sure to check out medicalalleypodcast.org, where you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Until next time, have a great day.